right, welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Brandon. And uh, real quick before I give it over to Brandon for the uh, Did You Know segment, I do want to make a quick mention that we are always here bringing you Michigan football and we put everything on the line because we are recording during the infamous bomb cyclone. Did you hear the the name of that, uh, Brandon? No, I didn't. What's the name of it? it? It's well, I mean, just that it's called like a bomb cyclone or like a cyclone Genesis or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't hear the name of that. Yeah. Cy- it, cyclone Genesis. Yeah, it's something about just the fact of like the pressures and everything and how fast everything's going to drop and something. I I thought I don't know the likelihood of it now. They were talking about it like days ago. So anyway, so if something happens um, weather-wise, this might get cut short, but hopefully, fingers crossed, that doesn't happen. So we're, uh, we're here recording during the midst of this wonderful Michigan weather, so... Um, but I do, uh, or I am going to hand it off to Brandon though this week for our, I always want to call it trivia, but it's just our, did you know, here to make you smarter, here to make you, uh, smarter than everybody else, you know, our, did you know segment and off to you, Brandon. All right. Uh, this one actually, I chose this one because, um, I know, your love for uh, seafood. Uh-oh. Also also my love for seafood, too. And this just kind of blew my mind. I was looking around online the other day, and it says that most fish that you buy is probably labeled wrong. Or oh. if you're buying salmon, it might not be salmon. And it said, like, the main culprit is snapper. Like a lot of times you'll buy a snapper and it says eighty seven percent of the time um it was labeled wrong. Like you're you actually buying tilapia as labeled snapper. Oh man. Yeah, I, I actually um I, I heard something about that. I think uh, my wife watches a lot of um the food network, food shows, Netflix or whatever, and I think I heard something about the miss mislabeling of things so yeah mentioned snapper uh salmon and tuna missile snapper by far was number one with 87 yeah um i don't think i specifically remember like what fish and everything like that information you got but i think it was um oh what was it? i think it was like one of those um, you know, know how good your restaurant is or how to properly run a restaurant. And they said, you know, know your the person that's supplying your seafood and where they're getting it from. Because if it's if they don't know enough information, then you know you're not getting the correct fish that they're telling you majority right. of the time. So yeah. No, that's interesting. I didn't know that about the snapper though. Yeah, that that just blew my mind. I was like, because I know I've been to a place before, like where they given me snapper, and I was like, was it tilapia? And I just didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, I it's kind of weird to me because I feel like some of them are very, you know, obviously different. 
But right, like what with salmon, like there really isn't any other fish that's like salmon other than maybe like trout. Yeah. And then tuna, I mean, I'm sure there's some things kind of like tuna, but I feel like tuna, when you get a tuna steak, it's rather distinct. But Right. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's stuff that's like tuna. Who, I mean, who knows? But maybe. Yeah. So, interesting. Well, there you go. Uh, I was a little worried when you were starting that it was going to be something that was going to try to ruin seafood for me, so. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to myself. Yeah. Yeah, with how big of uh, big we are into food, I don't. I didn't think that you would do that. But uh, actually, interesting uh, side note. Not really a did you know thing, but uh, something for a side note information. Uh, when Brandon and I worked together, uh, we worked together at at the place that Craig still currently works, and it's down near Lansing. As all of you remember from Craig always mentioning that he lives in East, uh, the East Lansing area. Uh, Brandon moved down there. I did not from the area that we, uh, originally lived in. And so I was commuting and once a week, just to kind of save on gas expenses, I would crash at Brandon's place. And so what we did was, um, every, every, I think it was like every Thursday night or every Wednesday night, something like that. And we did what we would then call man meal, our weekly man meal. So I know you remember yeah, that I think too. It was thir- Thursday nights, because uh, remember we used to watch the the random college football games that were on on Thursday oh, night too. Yeah, and sometimes um, were we able to get the pro games on? Sometimes was it? Did yeah, we- the couple preseason games, and then one time we went to a movie too after yeah. we had man mail. <laughs> I can't remember all the different things we had, but there was a meat market, and they had you know. The bacon, the steaks, the what was the most interesting thing that we had? I can't remember now. We got those steak pinwheels at one time that had like blue cheese and something in them. Oh yeah, those were kind of interesting. Did, did we get shark one time? Because I know I bought shark there one time. I know we bought it, but I don't remember if we had it for the man meal. It might have been spent something that we bought and like you took home or whatever. Yeah, I remember buying some of their crab cakes too and taking those home. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyways, that's that's a side note there. Just a fun little thing because uh, we, <laughs> if you ever catch us on social media, you might see us referencing man meal, and that's kind of where the story comes from. <laughs> so, but uh, on to Michigan sports then, and it would be. Nice for us to come and discuss positive things uh, on a day like today. Here we are, Sunday night recording. And as most people are aware, I'm sure, is that the Michigan-Michigan State basketball game was today. And that could have definitely gone a lot better. The final score of 77-70 to at Michigan. And Michigan State being without one of their best players... I don't. I don't even really know what to say. <laughs> I feel, I feel like I've watched every Michigan loss, and um, I think I've watched more Michigan losses than Michigan wins. Just because, um, by the time that I get into it and start watching, I mean I know they're still um, twenty four and four, but it just 
Probably because the losses resonate more because there are so few. But yeah, that was not a good one today. Right. Yeah, I think I've watched um, three games. I've had a chance to actually sit down and watch three, and I've seen two losses. I saw the loss to Iowa. So obviously today's game, and I saw him beat. Uh, oh yeah, I don't even remember who it was. Now it was, it was like in December, I think, because I think I was still off from from work for Christmas. Okay. Yeah, I watched a few. I, I remember watching, um, I think the Wisconsin game was the one of the first like full games I watched, and that was a loss for Michigan, the, the first Wisconsin game. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, the couple things I'll say about tonight, and we're, we focus more on um, football and everything, and, you know, we break it down and things like that. Basketball, I, I want to try to keep up in everything. I love the simplicity of football where you have one game a week and you can schedule things around it with basketball. It's not that difficult, but yeah, it's easier for me with things in life anyways. Um, so I just, Michigan couldn't seem to do anything right in the second half. And, and I, I think there was like five minutes left in the game. And they had just thrown up a stat that said that Michigan in the last 10 minutes scored four points. Mm -hmm. And there was five minutes left and they were down by six. And I was just like, okay. And somehow they're just going to turn this all around and win this game. And then it turned into eight points or nine points or 10 points. And then Jordan Poole pulled together some amazing stuff, but still it wasn't enough. And it was just like, I don't know it. In in most seasons that we've seen in the past, like, three, maybe four years, you see Michigan get better. And Michigan started off so well this year. I know it's unusual to have this kind of weird mixture. I mean, it's only four losses. Yeah, sure. But the inconsistency is kind of, you know, strange. Mm-hmm. And the thing I've noticed, I actually uh, tweeted it uh, right towards the end of the game is, why is it that every single Michigan team goes through these scoring droughts and then they try to get like back on the board by chucking up the, these just terrible looks from, from three. Mm-hmm. They'll just throw up a bunch of, bunch of three pointers that are like way off instead of trying to, you know, cut in, get a layup or, you know, try to draw a foul or something. Yeah. Well, you know what the most frustrating thing was Thir- there were 13 minutes left in the second half. And they and Michigan was already in the bonus. Yeah. And then they didn't do it. They didn't go to the line again until like under seven minutes or something like that. I'm like, dude, drive to the basket and try to draw a foul. Like start getting them in foul trouble. Start going to the free throw line. Make points, you know, make them sit players because they have fouls. What like the Michigan did nothing to try to attack that. Like you said, they were chucking up threes. And at one point, um it, it was I think when there was four, whenever Jordan Poole made his couple three-point shots, Michigan had not made a single three in the second half. So there was like 16, um, uh, yeah, what, 16 minutes in the second half that they didn't score a Mm three-point shot? So it's just like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't understand, like, just drive in, try to draw that foul. I mean, you got Simpson, who's great at it. You got Matthews, who's great at it. And uh, Teske, he was holding his own in the paint, so I don't understand 
you know, what the game plan was. Like, why are we just running around the perimeter just throwing up shot like three pointers that are just bad looks? Yeah. And then the other thing too that was frustrating to watch and you know people have good games and bad games. So it was just like, you know, on that stage and usually the basketball team is really good about, you know, rising to that occasion and and they kept it close and everything, but everybody knows that Michigan was better than that. Um, mm-hmm. They got burned at least three times in a row with getting, allowing the, allowing Michigan state to get behind them when they were playing defense. Like it was an easy dump pass on the inside cut behind somebody or Teske would um, bump out to help, you know, keep the guard from dribbling in, but mm-hmm. then his guy would drop his, the guy he's defending would drop in. And one time he was unguarded. There was another time somebody came over to help. And then when the help person moved and Teske tried to move back in, they got burned. And then there was another time when they essentially switched. Jordan Poole was underneath the basket. And then all, all of a sudden, he just starts running up to bump Teske back down, and he left the guy completely by himself. <laughs> yeah. I was just, uh, just kind of blew my mind that they had so many of those kind of mistakes. But yeah, that, that was, that was what it was. How many times did uh, Bruce Dykus lose the ball? I counted at least four. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was another thing. Turnovers were bad. Yeah, it's just like I don't know if he was just, uh, you know, losing concentration or a couple of them looked a little lazy. But I mean, you got to keep your head in the game. You got to hang on to the ball. I mean, it, I mean, it might come with time. He's only a freshman, but yeah, but still, yeah. And again, like we were saying, it's four losses, so it's not that. But it's just, yeah, it's just weird. So. I will usually, say that Simpson played really well, though. Yeah, aside both from sides. aside from missing um, some shots, just like anybody else did, which is, I mean, not normal for him. He was still playing his game, and he did a good job. And then Jordan Poole like lit it up there in the last two minutes, but wasn't enough. So, mm-hmm. yep. Well, we could probably talk about it for a while, but we'll we'll be bringing up Michigan basketball as it goes on and everything, and of course when tournament time comes and all that. So, but especially since that was earlier today, we figured that we mentioned some of it. But what we do bring to you guys every single week is the football talk, and so we're actually going to take this time on this episode to talk about some of our favorite players that have played for Michigan. And uh, I'll mention it again, too, at the end, but we're interested to hear what the list- who the listeners remember and, you know, a key game performance by a player or uh, a career for a player at Michigan, different things like that. We're going to name uh, quite a few people today. We're not going to do too in-depth of a look and dissect people's careers because uh, we're probably going to mention quite a few, but... Yeah, it's uh, looking back at some of our favorite Michigan players. I'm actually probably going to start because I have a feeling. I have a feeling that I kind of know your list, Brandon, but I have a feeling that you kind of don't know mine. Um, just because yeah, that's, I was wondering, just because I, you know, I've been watching for, I've been paying attention to watching longer than you have. 
so I could, you know, take guys, uh, some older guys that you might not, might not take. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what you get. Well, actually, I'm going to throw you a curveball because here comes the, uh, the history buff in me. Because um, I think so for people who don't know this, I I know that I've said it before, but um, I was not a lifelong Michigan. I mean, ever since I've liked football, I've been a Michigan fan, but my family was a basketball family. My dad, my parents grew up in Kentucky. And so if there was any sports I was watching, it was basketball. And then, of course, you know, you're watching like Kentucky or also he went to Iowa State. So Kentucky, Iowa State uh, and some other uh, places like that. So I didn't really start watching football until high school a little bit, but I really didn't get into it until I was in college. Um, so right, right, like the last year or two of Lloyd Carr and then beyond. So basically, you know, the best parts of Michigan football, not really. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I was, uh, when I really started getting into it, I was just like, man, you know, I missed out on a whole lot because here I am in college and there was all this football that was played. It's just like, I feel like I don't know Michigan football that well. So I got, uh, and I, I like history. So I got some DVDs. I watched some stuff online too. Um, and I fell in love with the history of Michigan football because Michigan football has a great history. So, um, that may have been, and that just like solidified me as a Michigan fan. Like it just made me more enthusiastic and loved every bit of it. Um, so I'm actually going to go like way back, way back. I'm going to go like before we watched this, like before we were live back and just mention a couple, okay. just, just because they're really cool stories. And if people don't know about them, I think that they should really look it up, look up videos, look up uh, history and uh, information and everything. So there's one player that I'm going to mention and then another group of players. Uh, but, of course, very commonly known, uh, Tom Harmon, which is uh, Michigan's first uh, Heisman winner back in 1940. If you don't know much about Tom Harmon, I encourage people to check him out. It's kind of rough to – I mean, I – we were talking about this here just over the last little while. So I was trying to kind of look around and pull stats, but of course, I mean, when you go back to 1940 stats are kind of what they are. And I was looking at a few places and anyways, he, he played running back and he played quarterback. Um, and he just had an outstanding career at Michigan and he was like a man playing with boys. Like if you go back and watch, he, he just, of course, you're watching highlights, so you're watching the best plays. But he's just like he's a big guy. He runs past everybody. He knocks people over. Um, he played so well and had such an impact not only on Michigan but in college football that 1940, his last year, his last game. Of course, as everybody knows, how Michigan season goes. Ohio State. The game is at Ohio State. A Michigan player got a standing ovation at Ohio State. Did, did you ever know about that, Brandon? Yeah, I did hear about that. That's crazy to even think about because that would never happen now. Oh, yeah. I know. I was <laughs> I was thinking about that, too. I was just like, you know, once upon a time, Ohio State fans weren't that bad <laughs> back in 1940. <laughs> you just have to look back to the 1940s. <laughs> if you want to find some decent human beings in the state of Ohio, just go back to 1940. Um, no, I'm just I'm I'm not going that far, but uh, but yeah. So uh, you got he's there's some great things to uh, 
look about uh, with him, obviously. I mean, he had a great career because he was a Heisman. Um, the next thing that I want to mention here before handing off to you, Brandon, to hear some of yours, um, is something else to go back to is uh, when Fitz Chrysler was uh, coach. And uh, if you've heard of the Michigan Man Magicians, do you know about those, Brandon? Um, no, I haven't. Okay, so the story with the Michigan Mad Magicians um, is is really cool because essentially they were like um, trick football before there was like they began trick football kind of essentially. It was okay. uh, it was very common for like a normal play for them is three players handling the ball, and uh, they they actually had some plays drawn up where they would have four or five players handling it. And you can go, you can watch the videos too and everything. So it's basically a bunch of exchanges of the ball in the backfield and you lose which player has it and they fake it. They, they die, duck down behind the line. So you can't really see them. And then they break off on the side and they were coined with the term, you know, Michigan mad magicians. And it was just a huge, I mean, it was well known back then and everything because they were the most difficult team to guard and they went 10 and 0. It was actually just seven years after Tom Harmon, so it was 1947. It's a really cool story. Really cool to watch them play. They had uh, uh, players like Chalmers, Bump Elliott, and Jack Weisenberger. I mean, those are really old and uh, not going to really go into their careers a whole lot. But those were two big names that I remember, even from like I haven't wa- I haven't watched those DVDs in a while, but I recognize those names so. If you want to go back into old Michigan football and learn some cool stuff, those are two things I definitely highly recommend uh, looking up and finding more about. But I knew that more of our conversation was going to be kind of like, okay, players that we know, players that we watch personally, uh, and things like that from more of the modern era of Michigan football. So, Brandon, I'll hand it off to you to hear uh, some of what you've got now that we're like in, you know, our lifetime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the first Michigan player that really stands out to me, uh, the first one I remember as a kid, uh, you know, the first player that I, we had that was really good that I can remember was uh, Tim Biakabatuka. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember, man, he was so dominant for us. And I remember that game against Ohio State where he had 313 yards. And we just tore Ohio State up. Uh, I just remember, you know, he was like a good mixture of speed and strength. And, I mean, it was really sad when he went to the NFL and, you know, the injuries kind of caught up with him. Because yeah. I really thought he, he, he was going to do something good for the Panthers and it just didn't pan out for him. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, something I want to add uh, to you bringing up Tim Biakabatuka. Just kind of like the interesting thing because – um, I mean, obviously I've learned, uh, more about him later and everything, but with how dominant and how big of a name Tim Biakabatuka is with Michigan and everything. And the fact that, like you said, he put up that 313 yards against Ohio state. Mm-hmm. He, um, I, I don't have, I'm looking at some of the numbers here. I, it doesn't go all the way down to 200, but I don't know if he broke 200 yards for any other game. So it's just like you think about how 
dominant uh, he was, first of all, in Michigan football, but especially with that Ohio State game, it's just like 313 yards. I think, I mean, I'd have to dig into it de- uh, deeper, but I've got a list that goes down to 234 yards with uh, some of the Michigan records, and that the only time he was mentioned was his 313 yards. So, I mean, that's like 100 yards difference that it's amazing that he busted that out for a game, and let alone then the Ohio State game. Right. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I remember how, how big of a deal that was at the time. I mean, in that season, he came pretty close to, to 2,000 rushing yards. Yeah, he was he was averaging six yards a carry that season. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety five, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had um, and he has the uh, single season record for that for having the most yards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and uh, that's also another kind of surprising reason that uh, you don't see him on that list like more than once. Three hundred thirteen. That's just crazy. But uh, who else? Uh, who else you got? Well, I'll choose my next one because I'm sure he's on your list too. So that we can kind of just share this one here. But Charles Woodson, I mean, oh, that yeah. goes without saying. Um, pro- well, he was just named what best college football player of all time. Uh, he, was, he was dominant on both sides. He was great as as a defensive back. They brought him in um, a lot of times to use in the backfield. They use him as a receiver. Uh, return of kicks and punts. I mean, he he dominated on all levels. Yeah, was the best college football player ever, or was it best defensive player? I I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I thought, it, and I could be very wrong because obviously people think about Charles Woodson and defense. You know, they associate mm-hmm. defense. But you might be right. That was best overall player. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think it was because then I was trying to think. I was like, wow, Woodson was really good, but who are we missing here? And then I was thinking about it. I mean, he's the only defensive player to win the Heisman trophy. Yeah. And the fact that he won it over Peyton Manning and, and Ryan leaf. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to look up real quick to see. Please hold. All right. Uh, fans vote Charles Woodson. Okay, that's says fans vote. That's something. I think that might be something else. Dang it! Come on, just give me this one. Says oh, best defensive player Charles Woodson. Okay. From February eighth of this year. Yeah, that'd probably be the one then. Okay. But yeah, I didn't see if they did a best uh, offensive player of college football. Yeah, maybe that's still coming, yeah. um, and it's possible we could have another one with Michigan ties too, because it's really hard to argue uh, Barry Sanders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That uh, when you said Michigan, I thought you meant Michigan football. But yeah, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, no, for sure. I well, mean, it's, it's football in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I got you, but yeah. Anyways, I, when you yeah, when you say Michigan, I I always think of the university. So, uh, mm-hmm. threw me for a curve for a second because I was trying to think of it. I was like, wait a minute, who? And you were like Barry. I was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah. No, now here's something. What do you think is more iconic? Um, his big um, was it a kick return or a punt? it was a punt return, wasn't it? Uh, against Ohio State? Yeah. 
I think it was a punt return. And then um, that or the interception against Michigan State. What do you feel is like bigger or more well-known or I don't know, however you might want to put it? Mm. I almost leaning towards the interception against Michigan State just because of how crazy like it showed his athletic ability. That he came out of nowhere, pretty much in the, in the picture, like on TV, he came yeah. out of nowhere, jumped up one hand, grabbed it, and stayed in bounds. Yeah, no, and I I would actually agree with you on that because I feel like that one is used more often when highlighting college football. Like when you see like sports stuff, throw things up for college football and things like that, where they throw in old plays. You know, you see that one over his punt return mm-hmm. so because yeah that was yeah, there's actually <laughs> there's actually two visuals i have of that um ohio state game and it's that punt return and i remember him and david boston getting in a shouting match with each other yeah didn't he take his helmet off yeah i think so yeah yeah man back when michigan football knew how to play that rivalry game Right, <laughs> how to play any rivalry game? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, some things haven't been so bad, but yeah, the Ohio State one, I don't think we really need to go into. Well, um, I'll I'll take one here now because, uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like everybody's gonna know some of these and everything because, I mean, for the most part, I think a lot of our our listeners are, you know have been watching Michigan football as long as we have. Um, mm-hmm. So they they recognize a lot of these names and everything. Um, I'll, I'll actually do something a little different here, kind of like to put it in perspective. Cause uh, when I was, when I was going through this and thinking about, okay, what are some of the uh, players and everything that I remember, especially when I first wrote, cause I watched college, like I said, I watched college football and I watched Michigan football for several years, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know the team, uh, the team. I didn't know the players. I didn't know the stats. I didn't, I didn't dig deep into it. So when I really started di- uh, getting into it was like I said, last year of Lloyd Carr and like the first years of Rich Rod and everything was when I uh, knew the players and uh, you know watched every single game. Was mm-hmm. always on top of it and everything like that. So uh, I was trying to remember some of the players during that time frame and so i'm going to kind of name name some just not very uh not uh the most popular but just kind of take you back a little bit because during that time frame you're talking about some players like david mulk kevin coger i mean everybody remembers mike martin you got like Mm -hmm. jt floyd so like some of these names are probably like you know hitting your memory and you're like oh man yeah I, i remember him you know uh vincent smith uh, of course, Taylor Luan was back during that time. Craig Rowe, Ryan Van Bergen, Jordan Kovacs, uh, Jake Ryan, Courtney Avery. Uh, but there is one in here that I'm going to sneak in and say I felt like he was one of my favorite players just because he uh, he kind of came out of nowhere and he had a bit, big impact. And uh, there were a few key times that was very unfortunate that he didn't have a big impact when he could have and made a difference, but 
uh, somebody in recent history that I really liked, just enjoyed watching, and thought he did a really good job was Drew Delio. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little slot guy. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of wanted to mention that and just go down memory lane a little bit on mem- mentioning all of those. I didn't mention all of the uh, well-known players there because I'm sure that we'll probably bring some of them up here in a minute. But I did want to mention Drew Delio because he was one that he reminds me of. Um, uh, crap. Who was uh, with Tom Brady on the Patriots? The little guy. Wes um, Welker. Yeah, there we go. When Wes Welker played with uh, Tom Brady on the Patriots and everything, uh, Drew Delio made me think of him. So just just the way how sometimes he could make a big impact and everything. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I like the obscurity. That's not really a name you hear too much. Yeah, and it's not. And it was more of one of those things where it's just like he seems cool. He like he he's I don't know. Relatable is not Art the right worker. word. Yeah, hard worker. He, uh, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't one of those like five star, you know, bi- a big name or anything like that. And even mm-hmm. his career at Michigan, he wasn't like, you know, the star player during his time. But he, he's a name you recognize, and he had an impact. And he was just one of those guys that I enjoyed watching, and I uh, thought it was fun when he had uh, a few big plays and everything like that. So, uh, but I'll give it back to you. Uh, who else you got? I got kind of a. Uh, an obscure one too, one that's not mentioned as much. Uh, and he, he was actually a little bit before that, right around the, the Michael Hart Chad Henny time. And one guy I really liked to watch play back then was Ernest Shazar. I don't know if you remember him, safety. No, I, I don't remember. I, man, he was he was a big dude to be playing safety too. He was like six four, six five, and about two thirty. Huh. So he he was about the size of a linebacker, and man, he hit like a ton of bricks too. Nice. Was, so anytime what? you'd be watching, you, you know, it'd be far enough out that you couldn't see the number, and you'd just see somebody get clobbered, and you're like, okay, I know that Shazar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you're uh, so you were saying that was like Mike Hart, Chad Henne time. Okay. Yeah, it was. I think he was there like maybe like 2002 was his freshman year. And I know he was drafted in the NFL around 2005. Okay. Yeah, so it would have been right around, like, our senior year. Yeah. In high school. Nice. Yeah, there... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, he went undrafted to the, the, Cardinal, the Arizona Cardinals. He was only on there for one season, though, so... Hmm. And do too much in the NFL, but, man, he was a good college player. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Um, I'm trying to think. I like the obscure stuff. So, I mean, you already mentioned uh, Chad Henne and Mike Hart. I mean, those kind of go without mention, mm-hmm. uh, especially the explosiveness and elusiveness of Mike Hart. Uh, you know, you miss it, It's kind of uh, sad to think about running back sometimes, considering the the lack thereof that Michigan has had. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, you know, uh, Smith and Higdon have done their jobs, but I mean, you don't have uh, Mike Hart, Viakabatuka, and that kind of level of performance where you have that. Dude, we one... had a, a crazy line of them for a while. I was actually having this talk with Craig not too long ago where, you know, we had like Tyrone Wheatley, Viakabatuka, you know, um, Anthony Thomas, Chris Perry. 
Mike Hart. It was just one after another that we had. And then we had a long stretch where we didn't really have much. We, I mean, we had Sam McGuffey and <laughs> yeah, I Fitz, saw his Fitz name Toussaint, who was one of Craig's favorite players. <laughs> oh, really? I, I uh, jokingly, I, and Craig. Oh, okay. <laughs> Craig still likes to rant about him. <laughs> I was gonna say because I, I saw his name too, and I was just like, man, you know, like sometimes you watched him and you were like, oh, dude, you know, he's if he keeps this up, he could do some good. But then it was just like so inconsistent. But mm-hmm. uh. I, I think, of course, it was something big that probably helped him too. Was of course that was during the Denard Robinson time. So, yeah. So he probably got uh, help from the attention that Robinson drew. But um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, talking about the running backs, and then of course talking about quarterbacks. You mentioned Chad Henney. Um, for me, of course, with mentioning how I really dove into things when. Uh, Rich Rod came in first huge name coming out of that was Denard Robinson. I, I don't think anybody would not mention him. I know that there are some that had kind of a love hate relationship with him because some were just always constantly mad at him thinking that he should have just been a running back. But I mean, he did a heck of a job. He did some crazy stuff and yeah, consistency wasn't always his uh, big point though. Yeah. Another guy that, people seem to forget about and just how good of a player he was was drew henson oh yeah yep man man if i was that guy i would have put on my headstone the day that i die that says i started over tom brady (laughs) (laughs) nice man he was yeah he was such a talented player uh you know he could run a little bit he had a great arm but you know ultimately he chose to, to play for the yankees and he only did that for he was in their farm system for a couple of years and then he finally decided to go back to football and by the time he went back to football you know he was out for too long he got picked up by the the cowboys and you know he just bounced around a little bit in the nfl and didn't really pan out yeah i wonder i wonder if he ever sits there and thinks like man if i was able to start over tom brady in college imagine what would have happened if i went straight to the nfl <laughs> right yeah, yeah, I remember that him being in the talks for the Heisman, um, there for a little while before he decided he was going to play baseball. Yeah, then they're like, "Oh, he's going to baseball. Screw that guy!" <laughs> <laughs> right? You're not allowed. <sighs> um, yeah, the uh, one one that I'm sure that people will probably remember, but this was uh, one of my favorite ones, and he had a huge year in uh, 2011. Up uh, the <laughs> 2011. <laughs> wow. Um, but Junior Hemingway, uh, mm-hmm. he was a very solid receiver for Michigan, uh, while he was there. I mean, he stepped up huge in 2011. And then, of course, uh, if people remember the Sugar Bowl that year, um, he just he was a solid target. He he made plays happen, um, and he did the impossible sometimes. So, uh, he was a fun one to watch. I was. I thought that he was going to do some stuff in the NFL. Nothing huge, but I thought he was going to be more active in the NFL. But he didn't wind up doing anything. So, uh, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. All right. Didn't I? I didn't know if the storm came through and took you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you crackled a little bit there for me, so I thought maybe I lost you for a second. Okay. Um, but then of course, uh, two other ones, and I'm. I'm starting to mix up 
what both of these guys did um, because their uh, their careers were at the same time, but Roy Roundtree and Jeremy Gallon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's bugging me because I, I really wanted to be able to remember on my own which one did what. But <laughs> Well, Gallon was the one that um, set the single-game record for most receiving yards. Okay, and that's what I thought. So then if I'm not mistaken, I think that um, then it was Roy Roundtree who had, I mean, he had several plays, but one of the plays that really stuck out to me was against Northwestern. And they had to bomb the pass down to try to make it a score for overtime. And he tipped it up to himself and caught it. Mm. And uh, and then it went into overtime, and then we wound up beating Northwestern. It was still when Brady Hoke was here and everything. Um, that was one big play that stuck out to me. And so Jeremy Gallon, if he got the most uh, yards in a single game, then I'm pretty sure that was Roy Roundtree with that other one. Did you know Jeremy Gallon's in the AAF right now? Oh, really? Where at? Oh, man, I think. I think he's on Atlanta. Let me double check here. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why you, Denard is on Atlanta. Okay. While you're looking that up, uh, Jeremy Gallon, 369 yards in 2013 against Indiana. To that, yeah. Because here you go. Like this is part of the reason why you remember Roy Roundtree. Uh, Roy Roundtree then is second for single game record in 2010, and his was for 246. So Jeremy Gallon blew that out of the water by over 100 yards. Okay, so he was Gallon was a was on Atlanta, but he failed to make the final roster. Oh, okay. So he was like a preseason preseason addition, but he didn't make the final cut. Okay. Yeah, he was another guy that's um he was a great college player, but he just didn't have the the speed, you know, and he was a smaller guy. Yeah, you, I was you just, can get away with you can get away with being a little bit slower if you're a big guy, but uh, being smaller and a little bit slower, it's it's not good for the NFL. Yeah, I was just gonna say that his size didn't really do him any favors. His um, hands were great though. I mean, if he had a little more speed, you know, maybe like a a Welker or a, an Edelman or something like that. I mean, he could have carved out a an inch somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's one for you to throw uh, something at you and everything. This was, this was when I was watching, uh, but I didn't know place uh, players very well. But do you remember Jason Avant? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like one of those under the radar ones. Yeah, he was kind of um, almost like the sidekick because they had uh, at the time they had Edwards and what was it Steve Breston? Um. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like we had two good receivers, and then we had Jason Avant, and he was kind of like the unsung hero. He always came up in the the clutch. Yeah, well, it's surprising because I pulled up the uh, records for Michigan and everything, and so you know you've got uh, a lot of these guys, and most of them don't overlap mm-hmm. because obviously, if they have you know these career records and stuff and everything, it'd be hard to get high career records when you're competing with another uh, record holder. 
but Braylon Edwards is one for uh, the fir- in first place for receiving yards for Greer, and he had 3,500. And so that's 2001, two, three, and four. And then Jason Avant is coming in at 10th, and he had 2,200, and he was 2002, three, four, five. So, I mean, even with Edwards there and Breston, Avant, you know, was still able to rack up a ton of yards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he actually had a, a nice little run in the, in the NFL. He played for the Eagles. Okay. Uh, for a few years. I don't know where he bounced around after that, but I remember him playing for the Eagles and he was drafted. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I also have, uh, let me see where we at here. I mean, we've got like some of the main ones. I mean, we, we mentioned, uh, Edwards, Mario Manningham. Um, Mm. and I mentioned Breston too. Yeah. He was a pretty electric player. Those are like some good years of football, man. The uh, that then that starts making me think about games, and we talked about doing this another time uh, that we might talk about specific games and things like that. But you know, during that time period with those receivers and everything, you, you got to think back to the what was it two thousand? It was two thousand four Michigan State game, right? The triple overtime, or um, I think it was two thousand four. That sounds about right. Where, um. Braylon Edwards pretty much took the game over. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and that was the triple overtime and uh, all that crazy chaos. And mm. back when uh, little brother was always little brother and that whole <laughs> Mike Hart thing. So, or actually, no, that was before that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because uh, the little brother thing was 2006, I think. Or... Yeah, because it was well, it was Mike Hart that said it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, probably, I, about, probably about 2005, six, something like that. Yeah, I was getting years mixed up a little bit there. Early 2000s, it all overlapped. Uh, well, then when we get into re- more recent history, I mean, something that um, I'll always just remember, um, and I think uh, anybody who's kind of been listening to the show, obviously, has been watching through this time, too. Um, just the squad i guess you would say of jake rudock ju chesson and jake butt and amar darbo mm-hmm. and then of course um smith was the running back during that like sure you don't have anything really flashy in there you don't have some of the huge record holders and things like that but i mean it was it came together and went really well. And Jake Rudock wound up, um, you know, having uh, some pretty high stats. He's second on single season uh, completions and he's second on the single season passing yards uh, because of that season. So yeah, it's uh, it, those were some of my favorite players. Like I just remember, I, I think I probably say Jake Rudock, even though, you know, he's no Tom Brady, he's no Chad Henney and um, things like that. And he didn't wind up being able to beat Ohio State and different things. But uh, he was one of my favorites uh, during that kind of time period. You know what's funny? You name all those good quarterbacks. Isn't John Navarre still the career leader in passing yards for Michigan? Uh, he is second for second career. Now. And he is behind Chad Henney. Okay. 
Yeah. I, I remember I remember just looking at stats and records and stuff for Michigan before, and I'm like, wow, I remember the John Navarre years kind of being a you know a little bit of down period for Michigan, but I guess that you know that came at, like shortly after uh, the national championship and having Tom Brady and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's something kind of interesting for you, uh, especially for uh, considering how long the show has been going on since 2015. Um, so in recent history, uh, you look at this and you're just kind of like, oh, man, you know, th- the teams recently haven't been comparing to the teams of past, you know, like uh, when you have Chad Henney and you beat the rivals and, uh, you know, you have uh, Brian Greasy and uh, Jim Harbaugh, all, Tom Brady, all these all these things. Uh, but for passing yards, single season records, you have Jake Rudock at second place and he broke 3000 yards. And then you also even have Wilton Spate coming at 10 for the two, 2016 season. Mm. But then also in 2018, Shea Patterson came in at eighth. So it's just like it, it's kind of crazy because then they're in there with names like Jim Harbaugh, Tom Brady. John Navarre and uh, things like that. And, and Chad Elvis Gerbach is probably in there too. Uh, not for a single think. season. Really? But he is uh, third on the uh, career list. Okay. So it goes to, uh, Chad Henney, uh, 9,700, John Navarre, 9,200, and then it plummets to uh, Gerbach at 6,400. <laughs> so yeah, those two definitely were kind of playing on their own level. Uh, and then Devin Gardner has five years of stats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fourth, fourth on the list is Devin Gardner, by the way. Oh, man. On, the, on career passing yards. And then well, is Denard Robinson, uh, Todd Collins, then Jim Harbaugh is seventh. Then you have Tom Brady at eighth, uh, Steve Smith, and then Brian Greasy at tenth. So, hmm. yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think and look at those. Um. Man, Devin Gardner. I know, right? <laughs> I don't think he'd be that high, but then I think about it. I guess he, he was a starter for, what, two years? Yeah, and well, then it also he had two games. <laughs> I can't imagine this. So I'm sure that he had, in two games in 2013, I'm sure that he had more yards in those two games than some quarterbacks have in a season. And that's the, what, Notre Dame and Indiana? Uh, Indiana, he had 503 passing yards, and then against Ohio State that same year, he had 451. Oh wow! Yeah, I was thinking that that night game, uh, that okay. night game against Notre Dame, or him and Gallon, because Gallon had a lot of yards in that game too. Well, I wasn't that uh, Denard Robinson though. Is that was it Denard? Because I, I swear it was Gardner. Are you talking about the first night game at the Big House or? No, it's not the first one. Okay, all right. Yeah, then, yeah, that would have been him then. So, but yeah, he's not on the list for that. So, yeah, so he had 954 yards in two games in one season. <laughs> I remember that watching the Indiana game. That was nuts. Oh, man. We were at a restaurant and I was watching that one. And I just remember it was like, how many passes is Jeremy Gallon going to catch? Yeah. In Indiana, who was their quarterback at the time? Was it I Sudfield? I don't know. I can't remember now. Because he had to have lots of yards, too, because that was a back-and-forth game. 
Like both defenses were just awful in that game, I remember. Yeah, that was such a mess. I mean, but yeah, then when you think about like just kind of some of the interesting things and everything, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, Jake Rudock holds the single game passing touchdown record for Michigan for his game that he had against Indiana in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I was talking about last week. You never know what's going to happen with Indiana. Yeah, Indiana is a mess. There was something else. That's, oh, yeah. Well, the interesting thing, though, is um, uh, they talk about how Michigan hasn't lost to Indiana in forever, though. Mm-hmm. Or, or 1986, I believe. Was it losing or losing at home? I think it was losing. Okay. Yeah, because then that's the interesting thing. Because part of the time when I was looking stuff up, I was looking at how bad Michigan's record was. Uh, especially, you know, obviously when Rich Rod came in. Mm-hmm. And so in 2008, um, do, 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 where is it? They finished with a three and nine record, two and six in the Big Ten. And so um, they that year they didn't play uh, Indiana, though. But in 2009, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the year that I was looking for. They went one and seven. In conference, and then so of course, then the one team that they beat was Indiana. <laughs> that was when we had Sam McGuffey, wasn't it? I think so. Steven, Steven Three was probably our quarterback. Uh, I think by 2000, uh, that's 2009. I think Three was 2007, and I think 2008 was uh, when Forcier and Robinson started playing. Oh, it? yeah. yeah. Man, oh, I wait. thought Forcey was going to be good. Yeah, I, th- I thought so too. <laughs> Boy, that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, then he bombed that Michigan State game. Oh, no, no, no. 2008 would have been three as well. So 2009 was going to be when um, Forcier and Denard was, were uh, kind of back and forth because then Denard played 2009, 10, 11, and 12. Yeah, because then Devin Gardner took over in 2013. So Okay. There you go. That all makes sense. Tying all tying all the things together. So, yeah. Did you have any other uh, specific kind of players that stood out? I mean, there like well, there are so many that we could totally talk about, but I know that most of this is kind of remembering like who we've remembered from watching Michigan football. I mentioned some other ones that were way back in history and everything, but you know some of those that really stand out to you. Some of those performances. I mean, I still remember, and we'll we'll talk another day about game specific, but. You know, Denard Robinson's performance in the uh, the no- first night game at Michigan Stadium and things like that. Some of them are easy and go without saying, but yeah, there have been some great ones. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have any other players um, other than the obvious ones we answered. Uh, I mean, I guess if we're going a little more current, uh, I really like to watch a Devin Bush play. Yeah. Just the speed, um, you know, the power of his hits, and just like, impressive his instincts are i'm really interested to see uh who takes him in the draft and you know what he can do yeah I, I looked it up also indiana hasn't beat michigan since 1988 okay so then it must be that they haven't beaten michigan at michigan since what was the other one you said 60s or something like that um no i was thinking just like the all-time oh, okay i thought it was 86 but it's 88 okay yeah, so it's been a while. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I um, I mean, if you're going re- uh, recent two and everything, I always thoroughly enjoyed watching uh, Chase Winovich because he was able to bring the chaos and everything, and you never knew when he was gonna, you know, just blast through untouched and just lay out the quarterback. So another high motor guy. It's always fun to watch. Yeah. It'll be, uh, as always, I mean, it'll be kind of interesting to see who pans out in the NFL and everything. So, cause yeah, it's, and then you get some of that too, where it's just like for, for a long time, cause I, I watched college football closer and then I started getting more into the NFL. Um, and everybody knows and understands that, uh, uh the NFL is vastly different than college football, but uh, to kind of sit down and kind of break it down where it's just like, okay, like we were talking about, you know, uh, Jeremy Gallon was a small player. And so for him to be able to transfer into the NFL and play a whole lot is going to be more difficult and everything and sit down, break it down and actually think about it. Um, it's always interesting and unique to watch those players that weren't big in college make that big, bigger impact in the NFL. So, mm-hmm. And right now, nothing's coming to my. I can I can't think of anybody really in mind. <laughs> Not at Michigan, but uh, a guy that comes to mind to me is Matt Castle. Oh yeah, because he was a backup for Carson Palmer and then a backup for Matt Liner, and he was always a decent quarterback. It's just whoever he was backing up was better. We're talking about two of the better quarterbacks from the early to mid two thousands that he was backing up, and he came in that one season where Tom Brady was out with the ACL tear. And, he I mean, he strung together a pretty good season. They almost made the playoffs without Tom Brady. Yeah. Matt Castle. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm a little surprised that I kind of just, this one just popped into my head, and I didn't uh, have it typed into my notes. But one of my favorite players of recent history and I was very disappointed. Left um, uh, a year early. They, uh, he could have played another year um, because he would have been able to play with uh, Jim Harbaugh as his head coach. Was wow. Devin Funchess? Mm-hmm. I was I was bummed about that because I really enjoyed watching him. I mean, he was just such a beast. And uh, so strong and everything. And he's he's done well in the NFL. I mean, not like, you know, pro, uh, uh, pro bowler. Uh, but he uh, he's done, he's transitioned well. But yeah, mm-hmm. he, he was there 2012, 13, and 14. And pretty much all those years, he was, um, he had five touchdowns, six, and then four, um, his yards, slowly kind of increased and he was you know 700 yards this last two years but and he started off at tight end though you gotta remember that too yeah started off as a tight end and then what was it, his last season he was a wide receiver yeah exactly though but it's just like could you imagine what i mean it still worked out okay for michigan but you know having him also with jake butt in 2015 yeah that would have been awesome yeah dang it funchist <laughs> he's one of those guys where you know, he's he's not necessarily quick enough to be a great NFL receiver. Yeah. And he's not big enough to be a tight end. So he's kind of one of those tweener guys. Yeah. Um and I, I know I think he's a pretty like solid 
number two wide receiver. He's not going to be the number one guy. Yeah. You put another good guy out there with him, and he can get you some touchdowns and some yards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, Bringing up some of those old names, definitely uh, fun and interesting to think about. Yeah, like uh, a couple of them that I mentioned that, uh, like, I remember uh, Kevin Coger. Uh, stood out to me uh, when I was watching back then. And then uh, Jake Ryan was mm-hmm. an, another fun one that uh, he, he stuck out. And I'll, I'll actually throw a really kind of funny one at you um, from back in that time period and everything. But do you remember Will Hagerup? Oh, man. Do you know I what remember the name? he played? I remember the name, but I don't remember anything about him. He's a freaking punter. <laughs> and he sticks out to me. And I'm just like, dude, I remember how good he was. Yeah, like, you know what? Um one that sticks out to me that's kind of like the same thing is uh Garrett Rebus. Yeah. <laughs> Kicker. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was just at the time because man, we had so many terrible kickers after Hayden Epstein was gone. Mm-hmm. Like we had like, we had like nothing. Actually the first Michigan game I went to was uh Oh, what year was that? Maybe like 2003 or 2002. And it was at home versus Iowa. And we lost. Oh. And I remember just, there was three different kickers in that game. And they were all missing field goals. Oh. <laughs> the The best part about it is that we sat on the 50-yard line, like in the third row. Because oh. my dad knew this guy who's, my dad worked with this guy whose girlfriend worked in the dean's office or something like that. And he gave us tickets. Nice. So best seats I've ever had for a Michigan game, but one of the worst games I've ever saw there. (laughs) Oh, man. That would suck. Yeah, I think the best, uh, best seats I ever had were for just like an Illinois game one time. I mean, it was still fun and uh, good and everything, but yeah, some of those big ones. But we'll, we'll, uh, and I'm, I almost got into like a re- huge rabbit trail of just different games and different things like that. But we're going to save that for another day. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything else to mention before we kind of wrap, uh, start wrapping this up? No, I think I'm good. Okay. All right. So, uh, those were some things we were just kind of going back through, reminiscing, talking about players and things like that. And as I already said, we want to, you know, extend things to the listeners be really interested and really curious, uh, especially, I mean, uh, we'll hear things from anybody, um, but especially if you have some of those, you know, off the bean path, uh, not um, the most popular players that you just remember and really enjoy watching. Uh, I don't care how recent or how old, if you guys want to call, or uh, we're also going to put something on Twitter where people can respond. I do ask that if you do call the voicemail that you, call and do one voicemail for your phone call. Um, and then if, uh, cause we've had people leave multiple voicemails before and especially uh, just uh, if we get a lot of them, we won't be able to play them all. So one voicemail per person, you can call five, five, one, two, five, eight, three, two, seven, six. It's really easy. It's five, five, one blue bro. Share with us your your thoughts. Uh, we'll talk about that then next week. So if you can call, I would say probably a safe time would be 
Saturday before like 9 p.m. Uh, call, leave a voicemail if you want. Like I said, also look on Twitter. Uh, if you really want to, uh, we haven't had a lot of uh, traffic on here, but if you really want to, feel free to send an email. That's bluebrotherssportscast at gmail.com. Uh, and then I think that's it. You good? Yeah, I'm good. You good? We good? Everything's good. Except for the fact that there's no football right now. But And hurricane winds. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, stay, stay safe, stay warm, uh, Brandon, and to all our listeners in Michigan. Uh, and we thank you guys always as uh, for listening. And until next time, go Blue. Go Blue.